to the AK-47 podcast. I'm Kristen Godsey's daughter, and today I will be doing a special interview with her in honor of the three-year anniversary of this podcast. Welcome, Thank mother. You. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's so nice to have you on my podcast. <laughs> it's delightful to be here. <laughs> so what was your original inspiration for the podcast? Did you think of doing a podcast first, or did you think of doing something related to Alexander Kollontai and then decide to make it a podcast? Well, okay, so that's a good question, because I had no intention of creating a podcast, in fact. What I initially started thinking about was the fact that I assigned, so I've been teaching this class called Sex and Socialism Uh since the fall of 2002. Uh So we're talking about 20 years on and off. Mm -hmm. I've taught this class where we read Kolontai in the original, meaning not in the Russian, but in English translation, but we actually read Kolontai's words. Mm -hmm. And... I realized that although Kolontai is a quite accessible writer, that a lot of my students sort of got lost sometimes in reading Kolontai because Kolontai's work is so specific to the time period and they don't necessarily have all the the historical context. Exactly. And so I thought one of the things that I could do for my students was to record some of the key essays that she wrote with a little bit of commentary about what was the historical uh-huh. context, yes. right? Exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly. And and then since I was doing that anyway, I thought that one really easy way to do would be to just have this available online mm-hmm. so that people could listen and download them and actually start of engaging with Kolontai's thoughts and re- instead of having to read the text, being able to listen to the text being read with some kind of right, exegetical exactly. commentary on the text. So, yeah, and I think it was only after the first or second episode, or I, you know, I had sort of gone through and selected the pieces that I normally teach of Kolontai in that class. Uh-huh. And then I realized that if I was posting them online in a regular fashion and people were listening to them, that it was basically a podcast. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of I sort of backed into it a little bit. Uh-huh. I don't. I, I I sort of. I certainly never intended to to create a what we would think of as a podcast. I wanted to do just a series of of recordings of Colin Ty's work with some commentary to kind of help my students work through some of the more tricky texts. Okay, that's how. Okay, and so so given that that's how you started, how would you say that like since then, since the original conception that the um, the podcast has changed and like, how have you, how has your style and the way that you prepare for the episodes and like put things together, how has that changed over the course of the last three years? Yeah. So it's been a really steep learning curve at the very beginning. I had mm. very little clue on how to deal with all the technical <laughs> sides. And so I, you know, I, I didn't have like mass master mastering uh, oh, software yeah. or whatever that, that actually helped you make the sound better. So I felt like it was pretty rough and I was still learning how to kind of edit things in GarageBand. Uh-huh. So, so from a technical point of view, I feel like I actually kind of know what I'm doing after three years, <laughs> which is pretty good. But I would say that very early on, I would very carefully select the texts that I was going to read and then I would read sort of secondary scholarship or I would 
go back to my own teaching notes and I would really sort of carefully prepare for the episodes. Like if you were teaching a class, basically. Exactly. As if I was teaching a class. And then as the podcast went on, I started becoming a little bit more free flowing in my analysis. Mm. And I, and I, and these days I don't actually have notes. I read the text and I kind of sort of spontaneously comment Mm. on the Mm. text based on what I'm thinking about and what's going on in the world. And that just gives the podcast a little bit more of a kind of fresh. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, because I didn't, I didn't want it to feel extemporaneous. I didn't want it to feel too stale or too, especially because processed, too processed. Right. And, I try to have guests. I mean, I don't always have, I'm not very good at always getting guests, but when I, <laughs> but, and thank you for being here. We always have one guest. I always have one guest. <laughs> I have one guaranteed guest. But I, um, I definitely feel that, you know, I've taken a couple of wrong turns in uh-huh. the podcast. So there was one, at one point, I started reading Red Love which was a fictional novel and it wasn't a very good novel and it was really long. And I Mm -hmm. sort of, I, I lost momentum and I found myself avoiding the podcast because I didn't want to have to read that book out loud. So I eventually just sort of burned that, burned that whole Mm -hmm. episode series of episodes off. And I tend to like the shorter pieces uh, of Colin Tice, but I have actually dug into some of the longer pieces. The big constraint that I would say, for me at least, and I I haven't really rethought this, but initially I thought that each episode should be about 15 minutes, no longer than 20. Right. Because... Nobody wants to hear, I mean, I at least I thought that that yeah. seemed like a good length of time. I realize now that a lot of podcasts are much longer. Long, really long, yeah. Yeah, much longer than uh-huh. that. And um, But I've tried to stay at least under a half an hour for all of my mm-hmm. episodes because I just think that's more user-friendly. Yeah. And I don't always have the time, since I do all the editing myself, I don't always have the time to edit. A, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then you'll probably end up doing fewer episodes. So exactly. So yeah. So and I yeah. So I would say that I've gotten more confident technologically. I've gotten more confident about just sort of speaking extemporaneously about yeah. the text. I've chosen a wider variety of text, and I I do these occasional bonus episodes yeah. where I do things a little differently. Yeah. Awesome. So, so do you think, um, I mean, you're, you're saying that you, um, have gotten a lot better at, at sort of interacting with Colin Ty's work because of the podcast, because you've stopped sort of taking notes beforehand. And I can imagine that would probably have an impact on your work and, and your ability to cite Colin Ty in your, you know, regular academic and professional life. Is there any other way that this, um, podcast and the project that you've been sort of undertaking here has affected your work outside of, you know, outside of this realm? So I definitely, I mean, as I said, I've been teaching about Colin Tai for 20 years and I, there are some really great biographies in English that mm-hmm. I have used in my classes. There are all of her primary texts. There's her own autobiography. And what's happened really since 2000 and 17 or 18, when I published my first article on Colin Tai, I have been writing pretty regularly about her in mm-hmm. the more popular media. And I feel like there has been a increased receptivity to her work and her ideas among kind of a broader popular audience. They, I wrote a piece for Ms. Magazine about mm-hmm. her. I wrote a piece for NBC Think, which right. was a very mainstream yeah. <laughs> um, 
outlet. I did a, a thing for the World Policy Journal. And and obviously, she's mentioned in Why Women Have Better Sex Under Socialism. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's this podcast. So I feel like a lot more people have come to our writing and thinking about Collins. I have come to her work mm-hmm. in a really interesting way. And that has also sort of made me go back and really want to do more research on her life. And so in the last year and a half, I've had the opportunity to, in the first place, work with a Russian historian who we wrote, we co-authored a piece. She was actually in Moscow Uh and was working in Kollontai's archives. And so we have co-written a very extensive piece, which is going to be coming out in a book, which is a collection of the biographies of communist women. Um, I'm not exactly sure when that's coming out, but the piece is done and it's been submitted. And it's, yeah, that was a really fun project to do. I was invited to be a co-author on that project to sort of collaborate with this Russian woman to kind of bring, you know, more. And was that because of the podcast or? I think it was partially because of the podcast, partially because of other things that I've written about Colin Tai. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think it was it, that, that was one of the reasons. And also the editor of this collection is a, is a colleague of mine at the Central European University. And then the second thing that this podcast really inspired is a book that is coming out in July with Verso Books called Red Valkyries. Mm. And Can you talk about it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's you it's all it's on the internet already, so it's, you know, it's uh-huh. available there for for pre-order. Um we, I haven't actually seen the proofs yet, but it's it's a collection. It's called Red Valkyries: Feminist Lessons from Five Revolutionary Women. Which five women? Yeah, which five women? So obviously, Alexandra Kolontai, uh-huh. uh, as well as her Bolshevik colleagues, Inessa Armand and Nadezhda Krupskaya. Uh-huh. And then I also write in this book about Ludmila Pavlichenko, who was a sniper in the Second World War, and Elena Lagodinova, who was the youngest female partisan to fight against the Nazi allied Bulgarian monarchy during World War II. And, and who you've written out about before. I have written about Elena Lagodinova before uh, in Left Side of History, Mm -hmm. as well as in Second World, Second Sex. And I knew her quite well. Right. So it's a a book that sort of uses the biographies of these five, I call them revolutionary women, Uh to explore kind of the contours of socialist feminism Uh and to think about lessons Mm-hmm. that we can learn uh, from these from women's them. lives today uh-huh. and how we can be, you know, better activists in the current moment. So it's it's an odd it's an odd project in the sense that it's it's sort of a biogra- a collection of biographical right. essays, which is not really something that I would normally do, mm-hmm. given that most of my work is, you know, more ethnographic and anthropological or archival based. Yeah. But because this book was written during the pandemic, yeah, <laughs> I <laughs> I wasn't going to any archives, and I wasn't traveling to Eastern right. Europe. So yeah, and so for fans of the podcast who've already fallen in love with Alexander Kolontai, we now have four more women that we can fall in love with. Exactly, who are similar to her in her vein. Right, um, exactly. Who you know who were in in many respects her comrades. Well, you know, quite literally, Inessa Armand and Nadezhda Krupskaya were her comrades in arms, and both. Pavlichenko and Lagodinova lived in the Soviet Union when Kolontai right. was still alive. 
Wow. So although they, I don't think they met her, um, they were certainly sort of her daughters in, 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 in the sense that they benefited from, from many the of policies the, the policies she, that Kolontai and Armand and Krupska had put into place or attempted to put into place anyway in the 20s. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. I really love the cover of that book. Um, which is, uh, the Kolontai is in the middle of these, uh-huh. it's a little tableau. It's kind of a funky, you know, modernist cover, uh, awesome. with the f- faces of these five women and Kolontai is right in the middle of it. So I, I'll, I'll. And if we look up the, and if we look the co- the, the book up on Google, will we see the cover? Yes, you will see the cover. Yeah. So little surprise yeah waiting for you all right and so i have just i have one more question for you so basically it seems like you're um not really you don't have much of a presence on the internet um (laughs) personally um you don't have instagram or twitter or facebook or anything so so it seems like you don't have that much direct contact with a lot of your um listeners and readers other than your newsletter and this podcast basically right yeah, that's that's basically right. So how how does it feel? Like what is what do you like about having the podcast as a way to connect with your, you know, the people who are receiving your scholarship? And like how do you think about the way that you interact with people that you might not otherwise not colleagues or people that you would otherwise meet? Okay, now that's a really good question. Uh I think so the podcast has been really Interesting uh-huh. in that it has, it has sort of brought me into contact with readers and listeners and, um, people who've, you know, otherwise engaged with my work, more academic work. And you know, so, for instance, I want to give a big shout out, shout out right now to Connolly Books in Dublin, Ireland, which unfortunately, you know, posted something about my book like days after I had left Dublin. Oh, no. I know. know. It was like, darn, I wish I'd been able to to stop in and and, and say hi. But but apparently one of the, the, the people in that store is a fan of the podcast. And so I feel like the podcast has connected me to readers and, and listeners around the world, which is, and I occasionally get, you know, emails and comments from, from them. Your, from your contact form. From my, con- through my contact form. Yeah. Or directly to the Alexander podcast, um, email Alexander Carlson email address. Uh-huh. And that's always really nice to hear, yeah. to hear from readers, uh, sorry, to hear from readers or listeners as, as the case may be. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit of an introvert. And so uh-huh. I don't, I always feel, yeah, I, I always feel a little bit awkward just communicating with strangers which is odd right because yeah. I'm a I'm a you know I'm an academic and a writer and and yeah. what I do is communicate with strangers all the time <laughs> that is kind of your job it yeah it's kind of my job yeah but I don't know I I always I I feel yeah I get a little I get a little anxious or, or nervous I guess when I'm you know right. talking to people that I don't necessarily know and so the nice thing about the podcast is it has forced me to move out of my comfort zone, yeah. to move off the page into a, a medium that is much more kind of flexible mm-hmm. and dynamic and fun. And I've learned to relax into mm-hmm. the podcast in a way that I I yeah. really didn't at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. And it seems like, I mean, knowing the insider knowledge that I know, you do tend to heavily edit your writing. Um, very, you know, you often go through multiple 
many, many drafts of every piece. So um, it definitely is interesting to me that you have such a different style with your podcast than you do with your writing. And it seems to me like there's there's a really like robust picture that we can get of, you know, sort of the way that you think and the way that you work by sort of being able to understand the way that you talk on the podcast and seeing like how how your thoughts kind of come and appear. So the way that you've learned to improvise talking about colon tie and these sorts of issues, has that impacted the way that you think about your written work at all? Or do you think it's just a separate thing? <laughs> I mean, who? I am a still a very heavy editor of uh-huh. my written work. I really am. Everything that I write goes through many, many, many drafts before I let it see the The light of day, day. (laughs) as you know. And I think that's just training. I, I, I do not feel as though I have the right to impose unedited prose upon the world. (laughs) You know what I mean? I think some writers feel like every word that comes out of their fingertips into the keyboard is somehow golden, and that's just not me. I think that thoughts can always be clarified. Adjectives and adverbs can always be deleted. Verbs can be strengthened. Like everything, not only stylistically, but also, you know, intellectually, content-wise, can always be tightened up and strengthened. And a lot of that discipline has come from learning to write for a more popular audience after having been trained as an academic. I feel like the thing that the podcast allows me to do is to not worry so much. And that is is a good thing. I don't know if it's really impacted my writing that much, Uh but it has... It has allowed me to think a little bit less in a, in a less constrained way. Right. And so the one thing that I will say, and, and I don't know if any, any of you listeners out there have, have noticed this, but I have yet, or I think only in one case in all three years, posted a transcript of uh-huh. my podcast. Uh-huh. And part of the reason for that is because obviously I'm just reading colonized texts and most of those texts are fully available online and so if you want to see colonized text you can see it right but the other thing is that I feel really uncomfortable (laughs) when I read transcripts of my spoken words because they're suddenly now they're text and they're unedited and I don't sound as Smart. Smart. <laughs> or, or as, and I don't, or I am as not polished. as precise and polished as I would expect myself to yeah. be in the written word. So I'm always really uncomfortable when people, tr- you know, publish transcripts of podcasts, even though I understand that there are very good reasons for accessibility reasons why you should do that. But it, it, it as a writer who is such a ruthless editor of her work, I feel really uncomfortable seeing my words become text when they're so sloppy and disorganized. I mean, often they're very disorganized. You know, I'm a disorganized thinker. And I mean, not that I'm a disorganized thinker, but I'm not as organized as a thinker when I'm just speaking extemporaneously. When you're speaking, yeah. And and if you don't have, you know, several hours and days to organize everything that you're saying, when it comes out of your brain, it makes sense that it would be not as, yeah. Not as polished. Not as polished. Yeah. but it, it is nice to have, you know, your your unpolished words are still brilliant. Well, I don't know about that. But I but I will say that I think the podcast reaches a broader audience 
than my written work does. Partially because, yeah, I mean, sure, when I write for the New York Times or the Washington Post or Le Monde Diplomatique, I'm reaching thousands, if not tens of thousands, Uh more readers. And those are short pieces Mm-hmm. Even though they're only a thousand words or twelve hundred words, there what people don't see is the painstaking amount of editing that goes into that. Right. And so, even though they may feel, you know, very Shorter. short and accessible, they're still super highly crafted. Uh-huh. And the podcast is just me, right. kind of unfiltered, un, you know, really unfiltered. I mean. I mean, we could even rename the podcast Kristen Unfiltered. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if that would be a really good idea. Cole and Unfiltered. Cole Unfiltered, maybe. I don't know about Kristen Unfiltered. Yeah. <laughs> because Kristen Unfiltered would be really weird. Because it would be like me talking about like Star Trek or whatever. Yeah. Or, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Kristen Unfiltered would be, would be a lot longer. It would be a lot longer and it would probably not be as interesting. So, yeah. Anyway, but... But I do think that there's something really valuable. And I like listening to podcasts right. where the person who is doing the podcast is really just sort of speaking off the cuff and is yeah. just kind of really expressing their ideas and their thoughts in real time in response to the things that are going on in the world or the text that they're reading or whatever. Exactly, yeah. And and that's what I think is really great about the podcast format is that it's a way of kind of capturing something that's very present. So, I mean, I think back about, like, the, the the episode that we did about Bridgerton. Do you remember that yeah. episode? And, like, at the time, that was, like, at the height of the pandemic. And, right. You know, I probably would not have watched Bridgerton had it not been for the pandemic and the right. fact that everyone yeah. was talking about it. And I go back and I listen to that podcast and I think, like, weird. We were, like, trying to talk, make Colin Ty relevant to Bridgerton. That was kind of a stretch. But it was, <laughs> it was the thing that was, like, really present at the time. Yeah. Or... If I go back and I listen to the podcast around the January 6th insurrection right. last year or, you know, particular moments um, during the pandemic. I mean, obviously, this podcast predated the pandemic, yeah. but the but I was, you know, I was literally in New Zealand in March of 2020, right? As, right. Literally days before we went into lockdown, days before we went into lockdown. And so the other thing that's super fun about going back and listening to some of the episodes is that it captures a moment in time. It captures this incredible sort of historical sense of what was going on in the world over the last three right. years. And given that there's been this pandemic yeah, overlap this ele- one. last years of the Trump administration and the election, and there's all sorts of things that are going on that I think it's really nice to capture, to have a sort of sense of... yeah you know, my thoughts and reactions through always the lens of Kolontai on the events of the day through some of the special bonus episodes and interviews that I did. And as an anthropologist who's done work in the archives, having a record like this of, you know, sort of you and a couple of other people sort of reacting to the, like, issues of 2019 and 20, you know, and the 20s, you know, having this as sort of a historical record in the future might be actually really interesting. Yeah, I know. I mean, I when I set out to do the podcast in 2019, in January 2019, uh-huh. I planned to read 47 distinct works of Alexander yes, Kolontai. Hence the name. Hence the name, AK-47. Alexander Kolontai, 47 works. And I'm getting, you know, I'm getting up there now, right? I'm right. getting close. And so I imagine that at some point uh, the podcast will end, right? Oh. <laughs> 
I think it has to at some point, right? When I get to 47, unless I keep going and then it's not AK-47 anymore, it's going to be like AK-48 and AK-49 and AK-50. Um, or, you know, I can just say that that was the, I don't know, I guess you can work around that. Yeah. But I mean, at some point it, it does take a lot of time and there's mm-hmm. a lot of editing required and things like that. But I do think that it is, as you say, at some point I will look back on this experience of doing this podcast and because it's so unfiltered and because I, especially, you know, really after the first year, I stopped super preparing and taking notes and everything like that. And just really kind of speaking extemporaneously, speaking really freely Uh on the podcast. I actually think it will be really nice to have a record of my thoughts and reactions. Yeah, it will. You know, of, of, of what's been going on in the world. I don't know what I'll do with it. And, and, and I, and I certainly hope people have enjoyed listening to it. I I plan to keep, I I hope so. I I plan to keep doing it for at least a little while longer because I think that it's, so there will be more if you're not, but it is nice to, to stop and reflect on the third year anniversary and feel like, okay, I've been doing this for three years now. And and I think we're well, we're at like our hundredth episode or very close to the hundredth episode. Yeah. And for those of you who've been listening since basically the beginning, thank you. We very much appreciate your support and ears do you have anything else to say yeah big thanks for for listening and you know uh in fact we do still have some of those stickers that you designed yes we do so if you are to celebrate the anniversary if you guys are interested you can email me with your address or my daughter at alexandra.colentai.podcast at gmail.com and we will send you some stickers and the stickers are very cool they're very fun i think they're really cute Um, (laughs) you made them (laughs) i did make them Um, but thank you so even if you're a new listener and you have not listened to everything enjoy and if you don't want to listen to everything i think that's okay yeah you can dip in and out (laughs) yeah that's the nice thing absolutely perfect to Um, dip in and out and only listen to the readings that you're really interested in that's always and the bonus episodes are always fun bonus episodes are fun and uh yeah thank you so much for listening and keep up the good fight